0: Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy.
1: Well, happy Father's Day. And uh, we have a message today that obviously is going to be geared toward fathers. Now, if you're thinking, oh, great, I got a pass today. I don't have to listen. No, no, no. I want you to hang on with me. Because this message applies not just to fathers who have kids at home, maybe or fathers whose have children have left home. But this is, I want to talk about communicating the father's heart. And maybe you're maybe you're a single mom out there and you say, well, you know, there's not a there's not a dad around who's helping. But you can still communicate the father's heart to your children. You may be sitting there thinking, I'm not a parent, don't want to be a parent, don't even like kids, but you can still communicate the father's heart. And honestly, there's a world out there that needs to see the Father's heart, the Father's heart. It's desperately needing that. So stay tuned. It's a God-given role and it carries a lot of weight. There's a a group of uh, dads in Shreveport, Louisiana, Southwood High School, they kept having all these fights there. 23 students were arrested. So a group of dads formed a, a group called Dads on Duty. And they went into the high school. They're there. They do it in shifts. There's a group of dads there in the morning when the kids arrive. There's a group of dads there when the kids leave. And they're there to lift spirits and tell jokes and give advice and to let these kids know that someone in there cares for them. Since they've been there, there's been not one fight and one arrest in Southwood High. And one of the the students said, there's just a happy feel to it. Michael Lafitte, who's the, the founder of the group, he said, we, we looked at the problem and we decided who can take care of these kids better than us. And so I appreciate that. They're actually going to be starting chapters all over. They want to start chapters all over America. I wonder if there'd been a chapter in Uvalde if it would have made a difference. And so having those, there's just a sense of order that comes with the dad. But it's, it's a tough job, guys. I mean, it, it, it's tough. When you, do it, when you do it well, it's your duty. And when you do it wrong, it has long lasting impact. It's our job. Father was getting ready to, to go on a trip. He's packing his bags, had his bags on the bed, and his little three-year-old daughter is jumping on the bed and talking to him. And they're just playing around. And He reaches over and he grabs her hands. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat your hands up. Walk, and put his hands in her mouth. And, uh, and then he went back to packing his bags. He looked up, she's staring at her hands. He said, no, no, darling, daddy was just kidding. You're you're okay, I didn't eat your hands. She looked at him, she said, where's my booger? (laughs) It's a hard job being a dad. (laughs) But it does have a, a long lasting impact. Not the booger eating part, just everything else has got a long lasting input. You know, the thing about, about a father is they produce patterns that you'll find in your life sometimes that you either follow those or go the opposite way. I remember my parents, my dad, was uh, he grew up in the, in the Depression days. He went through poverty, didn't have enough to eat, and so not eating food was, was considered like the cardinal sin in my family. And we had to eat all of our food, and, and then if we didn't eat, listen, if we didn't eat all of our food and they finished dessert, you had to eat it in the morning for breakfast. My parents were serious about food. So we'll fast forward to Matthew's eating. He's sitting there eating with us. And I'm I'm like, you need to eat that food. And my dad used to say this. He used to say, this is not a cafeteria. If your mother made it, you're going to eat it. So here's Matt. He's about eight years old. He's like, I don't like it. And I went, I found myself going, this is not a cafeteria. And then I went, whoa, 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 what am I doing? Because (laughs) I learned with Matt, don't don't make him eat what he doesn't want to eat. It has bad, bad repercussions right there at the table. But I realized I'd followed that pattern. And either you tend to follow the pattern or you tend to go just the opposite way. There's another thing we find about fathers is it it, it has an impact long after children have left the house. They did a a study and there was an online uh, report on this that a, a, a card company, greeting card company, went into a prison and they gave away free Mother's Day cards to all the inmates there. They gave all these free Mother's Day cards and the lines were so long, they actually had to go back and get more. So when Father's Day came, they were going to do the very same thing. They were excited about it. They brought plenty of cards and, and three inmates showed up. Now, there was, that's, that story's been out there and it was posted on one of those websites where people blow holes in all these stories that are so good that preachers use. And so we were, we were, they're telling that, And one guy said something I thought was very interesting. He said, I don't know about the truth of this story. He said, but years ago, I used to work for the phone company. He said, Mother's Day was the busiest call day of the year, even busier than Christmas. He said, Father's Day was like every other day. Now, the Bible does not address as much directly to fathers. There's a a few verses that talk about raising kids. And this one is one of the ones found in Colossians. Fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So it's talking about creating an environment where your kids aren't discouraged. That word provoke means to exasperate or to irritate or to cause resentment. So they're not discouraged, so they don't lose heart. My father is in heaven now. My mom went to heaven last year. This is the first year I've not had them there. I haven't talked much about my my fathers and, and my relationship. He was a good man. He was a very moral man. I never once, never once heard my dad utter a cuss word. He never drank or smoked. He was, he never said anything lewd about women. If he saw a really beautiful girl, my dad would go, that's a girl. That's it. He was faithful to my mom for 64 years. And he brought me to church. He didn't take me to church. But I'm gonna be very, very honest with you. My father and I were not close. You say, well, Ellen, something's wrong with that. You're, you're a pastor. You, you, you should have been close to your father. He you only passed away a few years ago. Well, yeah, I, I would have liked to have been closer, but my father did not see me as a pastor. He saw me as a son. And I realized that I could be honoring, but I could not dictate the terms of the relationship. He was the leader, not me in that instance. And so when I share things, I, I've, I haven't shared things because I never wanted to embarrass my mom or never wanted to hurt her. But now that they're in heaven, they're good. And when we get to heaven, it won't be an issue. And, uh, and so uh, it, hopefully it helps you. But what, I, but what I learned from my dad growing up is they sent, he, he sent messages. He was real good when I was young, but when I was a teenager, I started to disagree with him. We had a big, argu- a big argument one day over whether or not Mercedes or Oldsmobile was a better car. And at my 13 years of age and with a lot of knowledge, I said that Mercedes is a better car. He always drove Oldsmobiles. It was a fight. And I realized, I need need to back off. If I disagree with him on anything, it got tough. They're still making Mercedes. (laughs) Just saying, but like I said, we'll hash it all out in heaven, okay? But it, it began to create a message. And, and the message was that you couldn't disagree. I had to have short hair in the 70s. When, if you had short hair in the 70s, you were a geek. And uh, my, my dad made me keep you know, white walls. And I was one, like, one of the only kids in school that looked that way. And it became bones of contention, but it began to send messages. And when I was 16 years old, my dad sent me to pick up a, a, a shipment. We had a small business. He sent me to pick up a shipment in a neighboring city. I think I'd had my, my license like two weeks. And on the way back, I drove the station wagon. Anybody remember station wagons? <laughs> uh, they never return. but I, I, drove, I drove my Vista Cruiser station wagon, took the left rear wheel off of the driveway, and stuck it in a ditch. Car wasn't going anywhere. I'm, all, I'm 16. I'm all upset. I go in, and I call him, and I'll never forget this. He said, why are you calling me? He said, what would you do if I wasn't there? And I got the message. He was so concerned, so fearful that I wouldn't be a man that could stand on my own two feet, that his fear pushed me. And I learned, you don't ask for anything, you're on your own. He said, Well, Alan, come on, man. You know, compared to what some fathers have done, that is minuscule, and I agree. But it sent a message. And the problem is, we often take what we had from our fathers and project it onto our Father God. And the thing is, now, I begin to treat God like I'm on my own. I can't ask God for anything. i got to figure it out myself. And that's not good. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. He said, if you're heavenly, he said, if you're even being evil, know how to give, give good gifts, how much more shall your father who's in heaven give good things to those that ask him? So what I'm saying is, is the, it sends a message. And fatherhood sends a message. It's a powerful message that you send. Jesus was the best picture of a father. He gave us the greatest picture of who our Heavenly Father is. And in response to criticism over the fact that there were tax collectors and sinners coming to be close to Jesus. Listen, guys, that tells me something right there. Tax collectors and sinners wanted to be near Jesus. Man, that tells me our church should be a place where if you don't have a relationship with God, if you've lived a life where it hasn't been good, you ought to want to come in here and be near because we're going to tell you God's good and He's got good things for you. And tax collectors and sinners wanted to be close. And the religious people were mad. Oh, they were mad. And they were angry. And Jesus gave three parables in response to their anger the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin. In the parable of the lost son, you know that one is the prodigal son. Let's read that story here because it shows us the heart of a father. He said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He is lost and is found and they begin to be merry. What a heart of the Father, Jesus revealed right there. He revealed that a Father is uh, the heart of our Father God is approachable. Listen, you have to be, you have to have a sense that someone is going to be good to you and not reject you or rebuff you if you could come as the younger son and ask for the portion of goods of your inheritance before the father died. He had to be approachable, or the son could have never come. He was generous. He divided to the, both of his sons his livelihood. He gave, him, he gave this young man what he'd asked for. And then later on when the, when the young man was starving, he recognized, hey, even the servants in my father's house had plenty to eat. They got more than enough. So he was approachable and generous. He was not controlling. The son got all this stuff together, pretty much cashed everything in and left. And the father let him go. And even when he was in the pig pen, even when he had wasted all the money, father never once went and rescued him and bailed him out. So he had a a mentality that says, I'm not going to be controlling. He was compassionate. Father saw him a long way off, which meant he was looking for him. Probably went every day and stood there on the front porch and looked down the road to see if he could see his son coming. And when he did see his son coming, he said, from a long way off, The father ran. I don't think we need to run run by that too quickly. The father ran. Jesus was giving us a picture of our heavenly father. It's the only time in the Bible you ever see where God ran. And he runs to the son. And he falls on his neck and kissed him. I'm thinking, as there have been so many of us today, how many many fathers would have seen the son coming and went, okay, there he is. (laughs) Gone back and told the servants, I'm in the study. When he comes in, send him in. No, this father saw him. He saw his son. He ran. He fell on his neck and kissed him. And then he was forgiving. Now, I think it's very interesting. He allowed the son to confess his, his sin. He allowed the son to say, Father, I, I've sinned against heaven before you. But he would not allow the son to declare that he was not worthy. It was still the father who determined that this boy was worthy so we brought out a robe, he brought out sandals, he brought out everything that would indicate that this is a son. I think it's very interesting that you see in this son, though you see a picture of true repentance. The son says, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against my father. He said, and I'm willing to accept the consequences. True repentance does not make excuses. I sin, but, he just simply says, I sin, and I'm willing to accept whatever comes. That's a true repentance. So in that, we see a forgiving father who restored the son to a position of sonship. And not only did he restore him, he was happy about it. He said, bring the fatted calf. You read the rest of the story. The young man comes, the other son, the older son comes in. And when he's a long way from the house, he hears music and dancing. That is not a quiet party. They are throwing down there. And he comes and he's... He's upset, and his father said, Look, he said, We have reason to rejoice. I'm not rejoicing that he wasted money. I'm not rejoicing that he wasted years of his life. I'm not rejoicing at that. When I'm rejoicing at is that relationship has been restored, and my son was dead, but he's alive again, and he's lost, and he's found. And Jesus said, That's the same way God is when someone comes to him. He's not celebrating what they did wrong, he's celebrating there's a relationship that's back again. And that's when heaven goes, Yay. Yea, and if heaven rejoices, we ought to rejoice as well. How do you communicate a father's heart? How do you communicate a father's heart? You say, well, I'm a single mom. You can still communicate a father's heart. You say, well, my kids are grown and gone. You can still communicate a father's heart. You know, one of the best ways to do it is first, be approachable, be approachable. There's a great verse that goes with that. First John, I mean, actually James 1. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to rap. Just stop it right there. I'll just be very honest with you guys. I practiced that in reverse for a long time. It does not work well in reverse. I was swift to not listen. I was swift to, to speak, and I was quick to be angry. And if you create that type of environment, it makes it harder for your kids to come to you. Now, when I said my father and I weren't close, I hated, I hated to come to him. And I hated to ask for anything, and I especially hated to ask for money, because when I did, I would get the disappointment. You know, he 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 was not a, he never cussed me, he never abused me, but he let me know pretty much every time I came that when he was a boy, he you know he never had to ask for money. I actually remember one time when my dad gave me uh, like a ten dollar bill. I was getting ready to go on a date. My dad said, "Where are you going?" I said, "I'm going on a date," and I told him the girl. He reached into his wallet and pulled out a $10 bill. I, I really wish I'd kept it because it was the only time I'd ever remember him doing that. But it, 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 again, you're sending a message. Be approachable. If you're just approachable, the people can come if they can talk to you, if they can converse with you, if your kids know that they can talk to you and you're not going to blow up, you're going to listen. That makes all the difference in the world. That makes all the difference in our relationships, period. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to listen. Slow to wrath. Here's the next one. Be generous. Be generous. You know, as as a father, I know a lot of times when we think of generosity, we we often think of money. Being generous with with our money. But we don't want to just simply stop there. Be as generous as you can with money. But but there's another verse that talks about things that we can be giving. Look look at this. You know how, this is again, talking about fathers. You know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. Exhorted and comforted and charged. That word exhort means to encourage. That word comfort means simply to be soothing and to, and to charge is, is, is to challenge. And when you're doing this, well, you can begin to just give it words of encouragement. I know a lot of times we, we think, oh, I, I don't need encouragement. I don't need anything. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna ask a question. Ask asked the first service this question. How many of you, when you ask your fathers what they wanted for Father's Day, what did they say? How many of them, Nothing. Nothing? Yes. They didn't mean it, but they said it anyway. <laughs> but the idea is, is being generous. We can be generous not just with, with our stuff, with our encouragement, with our comfort, and boy, we need generosity. But there's another thing with our time and attention. Generous with time and attention. Uh, There's uh, Jerry Seinfeld actually shared something about his being a father. And he said, he said, I hear fathers talk about quality time. He says, I don't like quality time. He said, I like garbage time. And he called garbage time the ordinary and the mundane. He said, just the, the regular time. He said, with We said with garbage time, it's the you pop in their room and they're reading a comic book and you watch for a little bit or you have Cheerios at 11 o'clock when they should be in bed. He said, it's just the ordinary time. He said, with quality time, people have all these great expectations and they're creating memories and they're creating all these things, but there's huge expectations on that. I think sometimes for fathers, they feel like I've got to provide these amazing experiences and so I can create memories. Listen, create all the memories that you can, but you can only create memories for just so much in our regular time, just our regular time, just a moment, just a word, just a thought is what helps And then you don't have all that expectations over quality time. You can make it happen. And all you have to do is just be generous. And guess what? It won't cost you anything. This is a generosity that doesn't cost. But it certainly pays. So we have approachable. We have generous. And then we have believe the best. Believe the best. I... um, I believe in allowing children to make decisions that let them make some of their own decisions as long as they don't go against the values of the family. I'm talking especially with children who are at home. Growing up, um, as my kids were coming along, we were starting to have major arguments and major fights over music. Joy and I for a long time there had a policy of no secular music in the house, none. But then I remember when I would be out on the road and I would be, get sleepy or something, I would turn on the radio and it was always a classic rock station. And I thought, of course, it was 70s music, the last great decade of, of music. <laughs> and and uh, I, I, w- I would turn on the music and I'm listening to that, but then I would come in the house and if they want to listen to secular music, I'm dropping the hammer, no, we're not gonna do it. And finally realized, okay, I'm being a hypocrite here. So I went, I went to my children, And I said, especially for Matthew, we were dealing with Matt at the time. I said, okay, Matt, here's the deal. I said, you can listen to your music because here's the deal. They're going to listen to it anyway. It's just not in your house. And so I said, you can listen to the music. I said, but don't bring in music that would be offensive to your mother and I." I said, don't bring in music. At that time, Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails were out there. I said, don't be bringing that stuff up in here. And, And there's some stuff that goes against the values of your home. Don't be bringing that stuff up in here. But what, what happened was the fights stopped because we believed the best about them and we believed that they would bring in decent music and the, and the fights about music stopped. Now listen, you've got to determine what works best for your family. What are the values for your family? For our family, we finally relaxed on that and Christina's listening to all the boy bands and, and Matt's listening to Lord knows what and uh, his taste in music. Or I remember the day I walked past his room and I and, um, Coldplay, was, was playing a song called Yellow. And I, I, I stopped and went, wait. So that sounds like a real melody there. And uh, we, we connected a little bit over, over the, the, the one band he played that I could actually understand. So the, uh, but what I'm saying is, believe the best about them. Let them make decisions. Now, here's the decision they didn't get a chance to make. As a family, we go to church. And so you're living under our roof. Guess what? You don't wake up one day, go, I'm not going. Mm -mm, I'm sorry. Family values are under my roof. You're going to church. You say, that's dictatorial. No, that's being a father. That's being a leader. That's setting boundaries in the family and you're coming. And guess what? All three of them are in church today. I don't regret that. I don't apologize for it. They just set a boundary. This is where we're going. So you believe the best about them. And I'm going to say this, and this is going to shock some of you parents. Be willing to let them fail while they're under your roof. Now, listen to me just for a second. We've been taught in the last 30 years that the way we build children's self esteem is to pump them up. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're the best. You're the greatest. You're great. great. Fine. Everyone gets a trophy. Fine. But affirmation doesn't build self esteem, challenge does. So you let them handle some tough things and then you let them fail. And when they fail under your roof, you show them how to bounce back and you show them how God can help them. And you, because guess what? They're going to get out there in life and chances are not everything is going to go perfect. But you believe the best about them. You believe they're going to come through and it's going to make a difference in their life. Approachable, generous. You know, our father believes the best in us. He doesn't force us to do anything. He gives us the choice to love him, to serve him. It's our choice, but he gives it to us. The next one is be compassionate. Be compassionate. Keep the door open. You know, I I, I want to talk to parents whose, whose children have left the home just for a second. One of the hardest things for a parent is to do everything you can to raise your children well and have them abandon the faith and abandon your beliefs and values. That's hard. That is hard. But what you don't want to do is reject them in the middle of their decision. You want to keep the door open. And here's the deal. You can love them and not love their lifestyle. 1 Peter says this. Far above all these things, have fervent love for one another. That would include family. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Got a call one night. I'm coming home late. It's a Friday night. I'm coming home late. I was up at the church. It gets quiet here. I'm staying late, praying, just talking. Just, I'm coming home late, and I get a call from Joy. She said, just want to let you know, one of your children showed up drunk. Now, we're a non-alcohol drinking family. We haven't drank, and now, Joy and I have, we just don't drink. We don't, we don't think it's a good example for our kids, so we, we just don't do it. And so, for, for our child to show up drunk, now, how many of you think it was Matt? It actually was not, it was not me. When I walked in the house, I am so grateful. I'm grateful for the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something guys, the Holy Spirit knows how to parent children and he knows what to do even when we don't know what to do. And I walked in that house and there was my child just falling down sloppy, drunk and sick. And instead of, in fact, the, the biggest concern with my family was how is dad going to respond? Because they knew, I I was not known for being calm and cool. They knew I was known for going off. They knew I was known for being quick to get angry. And I walked in the house and I thanked God for the peace of God because when I saw my child that way, all I did was have compassion for them. And I remember I felt for them. And I didn't lecture and I didn't show my disappointment. I didn't do anything but just love them. And, uh, you know, they never did it again. But to this day, My family remembers that more than almost any other thing I've done. Compassion. That we just reach out and go, hey, hey, I I still love you. The door's always open. The light's always on. I'm looking for you. Last thing is, is be forgiving, not rejecting. Boy, forgiveness is something that's so important. Paul wrote, he wrote the Ephesian church and he said, he said, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. For, now, for some reason, as a father, forgiveness has always been easier for me. It's been easier for me to give, forgive because I also know all the jacked up stuff I did. And God forgave me and I got forgiveness. So it was easier, easier for me to forgive. Other things I had to work on, but I, I can remember this one. And so forgiving and being willing to forgive and, and clear the air and, and, and not be rejecting. You say, well, is it important? It re- it's real important. Tony Cook sent me a story about uh, came, that came out of Spain a few years ago about a, a, a father and his son named Paco. And Paco and, and the father became estranged and Paco ran away from home and the dad looked for him and couldn't find him. And finally, as a last resort, he put an ad in the Madrid paper, a big ad that said, Paco, Meet me, to, meet me Saturday in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. And so on Saturday, when Saturday came, 800 Paco showed up. Uh, <laughs> now, th- that's, I don't know the veracity of that story, but I will tell you this. I believe it to be true more than anything else. There's a heart in people that desires to, to know that they are forgiven and not rejected and loved. That's the heart of our Heavenly Father. We keep telling him every week, hey, you've been away from God, come home. If you've never met him, come to him. He's a loving father and the world needs that message. The world needs the message of a father's heart. There's a guy by the name of Rob Kinney who grew up rough. Rob had a a father and mother who got divorced at an early age, the mother was an alcoholic and deemed unfit to raise him and so the father raised him. But the father met a, a woman a little while later, and he would stock the kids up with groceries, and he would disappear and and, and date this woman for a while and leave the kids all alone. A year later, he shows up and announced to the family, he said, I'm done raising kids. And at 14 years old, Rob Kennedy moved in with his his newlywed brother into a 280-square-foot trailer and lived there as an angry, confused, sad kid. Rob made a pledge to himself. He said, I will never cause this kind of pain to my children. And then when he began to notice all the other children that didn't have fathers, he said, and I will be a father to those who don't have one. He raised his kids. They went off. He's pretty good at 57 during the middle of the pandemic. Rob Kinney decided to start a, an online just YouTube channel. Aren't you glad for YouTube? It's got some real good stuff on there. And he started a channel called Dad, How Can I? And it's advice from a dad on everything from how to stop a running toilet to how to change a tire or a shower head. And he also began to realize that people needed encouragement. I just wanted you to see about a minute clip of Rob Kinney.
0: Hey, kids. How are you today? Um, so I want to read uh, The Man in the Arena Um, I get a little choked up on this, so hopefully I'll make it through, but uh, by Teddy Roosevelt, the man in the arena, and it just kind of puts things in perspective, okay? I'm just gonna read it to you. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails, while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I love you, I'm proud of you, God bless you.
1: Rob Kinney, he isn't what I would call a stylish dad. He's not a buff dad. He's not really even a dynamic speaker. He did this because he realized that people were isolated and he wanted to help. He thought 30 or 40 people would want to follow his channel. Today, Rob Kenny has over 4 million followers on his channel. And what has happened is, Good Morning America did did an article on him and they called him the, the internet's dad. And on Father's Day, he gets flooded with cards that come in from strangers, complete strangers. Rob Kenny says this, he said, I think it's sad that so many people need my channel. He's a believer. Every morning he gets up, he said, the the response to him has been overwhelming. And he gets up and he fills the need. He said, what centers me is I read my Bible and pray. And Rob Kinney has conveyed, listen, he's, he's he's not dynamic, but he conveys a father's heart to so many people who love the fact that he said, I love you and I'm proud of you. Over a million people, watch that right there. I love you and I'm proud of you. Because that's telling us that there's a huge gap out there. And there are so many people that are saying, do you love me? Father, do you, do you care for me? And maybe your dad wasn't good. Maybe your dad never showed up. Maybe your dad abandoned you or you didn't even know who he was. There is a heavenly father who loves you, who cares for you, who sent his son to die for you. There's a heavenly father who's approachable and he's generous and he'll believe the best about you. He is compassionate and he's forgiving. And what the world needs to know, and this is the message we have. When Jesus said, let your light shine, he wasn't talking about just walking around with a big smile on your face, although that helps. He was talking about communicating the heart of God who cares for people and who loves them. a the Father's heart. All of us can communicate it, and the world needs it. Would you bow your head for just a moment? We'll be out of here in just a few minutes. If you came today and you said, you know, Alan, I don't, I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, I, 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 or I don't know that I do, or maybe you're you're one that's gotten away from God. You just recognize, man, I used to follow the Lord and I've gotten away and I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come to the front. But if this, if this hits home with you and you realize this is me he's talking to and I won't end on your prayers, would you switch, just quickly, just slip your hand up across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me that you're talking to. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Anybody else say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You're watching online. You have an opportunity here. If you're by yourself, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. So pray this prayer as we pray it together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe He died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer this morning. And Father, for all the the dads out there, Father, I I thank you for them. Thank you for their God-given role. Thank you that you would strengthen them and encourage them to be even a greater witness, whether their kids are in or out of the home. Father, for those who are separated and those who are in blended families, thank you, Father, for giving our fathers wisdom to know how to operate. And Lord, I just thank you for your goodness to us as fathers and your forgiveness. May we communicate your heart to a world that so desperately needs it. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.